Hey everyone and welcome to my letter S part two, the second instalment of all things beginning with the letter S in my journey through the A to Z of musicals. And as I said last time, there were so many letter S shows and creatives and performers and icons and legends that I had to spread the load. So here we go with our second gathering. One of the greatest movie musicals of all time is the 1952 MGM classic Singing in the Rain and oh this is just such a joyful film with the wonderful Gene Kelly, Donald O'Connor and Debbie Reynolds and I talk about Gene Kelly in the letter K and Donald O'Connor in the letter O podcast and uh, this film has become a cult, really, a cult following. It's a so, so wonderful. Um, the songs were by Nacio Herb Brown, who wrote the music, Arthur Freed, who did the lyrics, and the book by Betty Compton and Adolf Green, who did so many of those wonderful comedy musicals. And uh, this has been made into a stage show a number of times, the first time being in 1983, there was a production at the London Palladium starring and being co-directed by the wonderful Tommy Steele. And Tommy Steele is such a likeable performer. And he, I actually saw this production in August of 1985. Uh, Tommy Steele was joined by the fabulous Roy Castle. The score of this stage production was Ignacio Herb Brown and uh, Comden and Green. Plus, they found some more old songs, old standard songs by Cole Porter, Johnny Mercer and George and Ira Gershwin. And the show did go to Broadway in 1985, but it wasn't that successful. The choreography was done by Twyla Tharp. And actually, I've read that it was a miserable ordeal sitting in the audience of that show. Um, not what you want to hear, really. In 2001, there was a new production in the UK at the West Yorkshire Playhouse. And the choreography this time was by the fantastic Stephen Meir. The girl playing the part of Cathy Seldon was Zoe Hart. And it's nice to see that she was the first little cassette in the original London cast of Les Miserables. Um, in 2004, Sadler's Wells put on a production with Adam Cooper as uh, Don Lockwood and it was directed by Paul Carrison. And then in 2011, the wonderful Chichester Festival Theatre created a new production, again with Adam Cooper, and it was so successful that the show transferred to the West End in 2012, starring Adam Cooper, the fantastic Scarlett Strallen, and hysterically funny Catherine Kingsley. And it, it did subsequently go on tour. I saw the production in London at the Palace Theatre, and I would see anything with Scarlett Strallen in. I think she's just a, a force to be reckoned with. She's so amazing. Then the show went on tour, uh, in 2013, this time with Amy Ellen Richardson um, in the part of 
Cathy with Faye Toza from Steps also performing in that. I did see a production of Singing in the Rain also at the Octagon Theatre in Bolton back in 2016 and the role of Don Lockwood was played by Matthew Croke who then went on to uh, originate the role of Aladdin in the West End. So the show is always uh, a joy to watch but it's never as good as the original film Singing in the Rain. Back in 2016, I was absolutely blown away by the beautiful production at the New London Theatre in the West End of Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein II's gorgeous showboat. This really is a stunning show and it actually was first presented by the great Florenz Ziegfeld himself back in 1927 on Broadway. 1927, nearly a hundred years ago. And it is arguably the finest musical play and the first American musical theatre masterpiece. When this show was presented on Broadway, there was an overwhelmingly positive response. And Jerome Kern, who wrote the music, and Oscar Hammerstein, who wrote the lyrics and the book, based on Edna Ferber's novel, they both dreamed of creating a serious piece of music theatre. And uh, they wanted it to be more than just a string of songs that were sort of connected. Because for the majority of musical shows that had gone before, they tended to be, first of all, musical comedies, but also they were um, collections, if you like, of songs rather than an integrated story where the songs move the plot along. And certainly in Showboat, you can see this. The show is set in the 1880s and uh, it just has some beautiful music and really important messages and they didn't shy away from dealing with some of the issues of racism uh, which when you see a production of this now in our more sensitive times it is hard to watch and listen to some of the language and some of the um, racist attitudes that are portrayed in this musical but it's an important show to watch because you see the characters understanding and developing their attitudes towards this story. Um, the original 1927 cast had Norma Terrace as Magnolia Hawks and Howard Marsh as Gaylord Ravenel with Helen Morgan as Julie Laverne. And Helen Morgan actually went on to be in the subsequent film and the next Broadway production of this. There have been three films of Showboat in 1929, 1936, and the famous MGM 1951 uh, movie musical starring Catherine Grayson and Howard Keel and the beautiful Ava Gardner as Julie Laverne. And, of course, we know that she was dubbed in that by the fantastic Annette Warren. But it really is a gorgeous, gorgeous film. 
William Warfield stars as Joe in that production. But actually, it was Paul Robeson who made that role most famous. In fact, the role was written for his voice, but he didn't actually star in the original Broadway production. He was in the 1932 revival and then the 1936 film as Joe. Uh, there have been many, many productions over the years, including one with Barbara Cook in 1966, uh, uh, an infamous 1994 production directed by Hal Prince with the wonderful Rebecca Luca, uh, and the production that I saw in the West End in 2016, which was just stunning with Gina Beck as Magnolia Hawks and Emmanuel Kojo was Joe, Sandra Marvin as Queenie and uh, Rebecca Traherne gave an incredible performance as Julie, uh, Julie Laverne. So Showboat definitely worth a mention. I forgot to say that it had 572 performances on Broadway originally, which was a really good run back in the day. And in 1994, 946 performances, almost double. Uh, this is a show that has many performances and lives yet to come. Another musical theatre legend that I've talked about a lot throughout this A to Z journey is the amazing Stephen Schwartz. And there are lots of opportunities, if you look back and listen to previous podcasts, to hear me talk about him, particularly talking about Rags and Pippin and Godspell and Hunchback of Notre Dame, and I will talk about him again when we get to the letter W, because, of course, of his wonderful work on Wicked. But for now, an important mention, Stephen Schwartz, a letter S musical legend. A letter S musical that I absolutely love is She Loves Me. This is a, a highly romantic musical comedy written by Jerry Bock and Sheldon Harnick. Bock did the music, Harnick the lyrics. And of course, they're famous for Fiddler on the Roof. I think the score for this is just charming. It's an enchanting musical. And it ran on Broadway from the 23rd of April, 1963 for 302 performances with a wonderful cast of Daniel Massey and Barbara Cook in the lead roles, along with Jack Cassidy as well. This original production was directed by Hal Prince with choreography by the super talented dancer Carol Haney. And the show has a book by Joe Masteroff, who, of course, also wrote the book for the successful musical Cabaret. I really love this show and there are several recordings actually. There is an original cast recording. Um, there was a 1964 West End uh, transfer with Gary Raymond and Rita Moreno as Amalia Balash, the, the lead female character. 
1977, there was a concert version with Madeleine Kahn and Barry Bostwick in the lead roles. A TV, American TV version, interestingly, with mostly an English cast, with Gemma Craven in the lead role of Amalia. There was a 1993 production with Judy Kuhn and Boyd Gaines on Broadway. And, of course, the most recent Broadway revival in 2016 with the absolutely superb Laura Benanti. And I talk about her in my Letter B podcast. This was a great cast with Zachary Levi, Jane Krakowski and Gavin Creel. And they filmed this production actually so um, I have been able to watch that but for me my uh, introduction if you like to this show was in 2016 at the Menier Chocolate Factory in London with an absolutely beautiful production that uh, starred Scarlett Strallen as Amalia Balish and she was joined by Mark Umbers, Catherine Kingsley Callum Scott Howells, Les Dennis and Alistair Brookshaw. I absolutely loved this. I wish there was a recording of that production. But of course there is a recording of the Ruthie Henshaw and Tracy Bennett and uh, John Gordon Sinclair London production as well. And uh, it's definitely worth listening to. She loves me. And so S is for Stralen. Of course, I couldn't do a podcast without mentioning the fantastically talented Stralen sisters, the Triple Threat sisters. They can pretty much do everything, uh, not just between them, but each. Uh, so we have Scarlet, the eldest, Summer, Zizi and Sassy. And these four sisters are the daughters of another pair of West End performers, their mum, Charida Langford, and their dad, Sandy Vaincourt Strallen. Now, Charida and Sandy, I saw them both in 1987. They were in the original cast of Cats at the New London Theatre and they were still in it by August 87 when I got to see the show for the first time. And interestingly, Auntie Bonnie, Bonita Langford, Charida's sister, has also starred in Cats, as have some of the sisters. Uh, Scarlett, absolutely incredibly talented Scarlett Strallen. I saw her the first time back in January 2006 when she replaced the original Laura Michelle Kelly, original Mary Poppins in the West End production and I have to say that I think Scarlett is my favourite Mary Poppins other than of course Julie Andrews, God bless her. Um, but she was just perfect. She was practically perfect. I missed that opportunity there, didn't I? Um, I went back to see her four times as Mary Poppins. And Scarlett actually was in the show for 2005 and six, And then again in 2007 and eight. She then went on to be in HMS Pinafore as Josephine and was nominated for an Olivier, Olivier Award in 2006. Um, she then was in The Music Man at the Chichester Festival Theatre. I saw Scarlett 
as Kathy Selden in Singing in the Rain, the Chichester Festival Theatre production that transferred to the West End. Absolutely brilliant. I saw Scarlet in Passion at the Donmar Playhouse in 2010. This was one of those productions that stays with you. It was brilliant. It was a small theatre, small cast and team, absolutely stunning. For me, one of Sondheim's greatest scores, a beautiful, heartbreaking story. And uh, Scarlett played Clara alongside Elena Roger as Fosca, and it really was incredible. Uh, I saw Scarlett as Cassie in the West End revival of A Chorus Line in 2013, which ran at the London Palladium, but only for about six months. It was actually directed by Bob Avian, who I talk about in my letter A podcast, and he was the original choreographer on A Chorus Line on, on Broadway. Scarlett, then I saw her in Candide at the Menier Chocolate Factory, which of course is one of my favourite uh, off West End theatres. I saw that in February 2014 and she played Cunegonde and I love her version of Glitter and Be Gay. And there is a clip of her singing that on YouTube actually, it's just amazing. Because I keep all of my theatre programmes and tickets, which I know is a bit obsessive, and in fact, my friend Louise, just as an aside, said to me today, um, Tony, we've talked about you and we think you have a problem. <laughs> and she said it in a nice way, um, because I'm obsessed with musical theatre. I am, I don't care. I keep my programmes and... So I was able to look back and I found that I'd actually seen Scarlett Strallen in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in April 2002 at the London Palladium when she was in the ensemble. But of course, I wouldn't have had any idea at that point who she was or that she would go on to be in She Loves Me at the Menier, which for me was again another absolutely beautiful production with Mark Umbers and the lovely Callum Scott Hauser, who's just made his name in the TV series, It's a Sin. So that's Scarlet. Next we have Summer. The first time I saw Summer Strallen was as Cassandra in a touring production of Cats in March of 2003 at the Palace Theatre in Manchester. She's also in the West End on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Guys and Dolls, The Drowsy Chaperone with Elaine Page. And her big break came in 2008 when she took over from Connie Fisher in the revival of The Sound of Music at the London Palladium. And Andrew Lloyd Webber, who was producing this show, uh, had talked with the team who write Hollyoaks, which is a British um, daytime TV programme, uh, a soap opera. And Summer was written into the storyline at Hollyoaks. They created a new character called Summer Shaw. And part of her storyline was that she was auditioning for the part of Maria in The Sound of Music. And she got the role in the TV show. And that's how it was announced that she was going to be the next Maria von Trapp. And uh, 
and Summer stayed with the show in London for a year until it closed. I next saw her in Andrew Lloyd Webber's sequel to Phantom of the Opera, Love Never Dies, where she plays, played Meg Giri. And uh, I saw her twice in that. And she actually uh, was nominated for an Olivier for Best Performance in a Supporting Role in a Musical. She then originated the role of Dale Tremont in the West End production of Top Hat. It was it toured first and then went to the West End. And she got another Olivier nomination for that. And most recently, she was in the West End in the uh, West End London UK premiere of Young Frankenstein. She played Inga. Uh, I saw Summer Strallen also, actually, just as in um, a concert at the um, Bridgewater Hall in Manchester called The Sound of Musicals back in 2015. Zizi Strallen is next, the third daughter. Her full name is Sylphide Charity Vaincourt Strallen, and she was born in 1990. Now... Zizi Strallen is now playing Mary Poppins in the West End. And in fact, she toured with that around the UK. I saw her in 2015. And uh, Zizi has had loads of roles as well. She was in uh, Chicago at Curve Leicester back in 2014. And she played Mona. And she was in that fantastic production that I go on and on about of Merrily We Roll Along that was started at the Menier Chocolate Factory in 2013. And she played Meg Kincaid and was part of the ensemble of that fantastic production. She's also been a member of Matthew Bourne's Adventures in Motion Pictures Ballet Company. And in 2015... She toured the country with their production, The Car Man. She is a stunning dancer. Um, she's so talented. She was recently in the National Theatre Follies production, at uh, National Theatre production of Follies, pardon me, as Young Phyllis, which I saw in September 2017. And then she went on to be in the West End in Strictly Ballroom as Fran. And I didn't get to see that show. I hope that that comes back because um, I love the film. It's brilliant. Uh, so she's currently uh, about to return as Mary Poppins in the West End. And last year, just before lockdown, I saw her in the new film version of Cats as Tantamile. A busy girl, a busy family. And the fourth and youngest of the Strallen sisters, born in 1994, is Sassy. Uh, full name Saskia Charida Amy Ivona Vaincourt Strallen. Quite a mouthful. They've all got amazing names, These the, this family. Um, I've only seen her in a few shows, but I did see her in the ensemble of 9 to 5 when it toured... Uh, in 2012 and she was in it at the same time as her auntie Bonnie Langford was in it touring and I saw her in a touring production of Oklahoma with the wonderful Ashley Day leading that company that was at the Lowry in 2015. 
Wow, they're such a busy family, aren't they? There you go, the Strallens. Absolutely amazing and so talented. There are three Rogers and Hammerstein musicals beginning with the letter S. And the first one is the 1945 film, actually, of State Fair. This was the only time that Rogers and Hammerstein wrote a score for a film together. And this starred Gene Crane, Dana Andrews and Vivian Blaine, who went on, of course, to be uh, such a big star in Guys and Dolls. The film was remade in 1962 with Anne-Margaret and Pat Boone. The first time it was uh, adapted for stage didn't happen until 1969, and it was actually 1996 before it went to Broadway. The next letter S musical is South Pacific, the 1949 Broadway hit. And this was just such a, a great success. And Rogers, of course, wrote the music, Hammerstein, the lyrics. The show was directed by Joshua Logan and uh, Oscar Hammerstein. He actually was involved in direction as well. And they adapted two stories from James Michener's Tales of the South Pacific. And as often was the case with uh, Rogers and Hammerstein, they didn't shy away from dealing with difficult issues. Uh, the plot deals with class and prejudice, and they took great risk, really, because there was the concern that this show could offend the audience. And in fact, in some parts of uh, the United States, the show was banned uh, initially. The score for South Pacific is beautiful, but also really funny. The lyrics are very clever and there are some amazing songs. The original cast of South Pacific had... Uh, the toast of Broadway at the time, Miss Mary Martin as Nellie Forbush, with Ezio Pinza as Emile de Beck. Now, he was a, a favourite opera singer at the time. And, of course, the wonderful Juanita Hall as Bloody Mary. And she went on to revive her role in the 1958 film. But Mary Martin and Ezio Pinza were actually replaced by Mitzi Gaynor and Rosano Brazzi. Now, the film, I saw the film many years ago, has a, a crazy uh, colour filter going through it. And I, I love the film in many ways, but I find it totally distracting when all these scenes that would have been beautiful without are sort of bright yellows and oranges and aquamarine colours. Um, so the film actually was not considered to be a great piece of work. Uh, in the film, of course, Juanita Hall reprised her role as Bloody Mary and we had John Kerr as Lieutenant Joe Cable, who was dubbed, and you know I love my dubbing information, by Bill Lee, uh, and sadly, Juanita Hall, who had sung on Broadway in this role, as she was getting older, she was no longer able to uh, maintain some of those notes. 
She was actually dubbed as well by Muriel Smith. There have been loads and loads of revivals and as the years have gone on, of course, the um, content of the show has been dealt with in very different ways. I was interested to see that there had been a light opera revival in 1961 with Alan Ann McClary as Nellie Forbush. Um, I'm a big fan of her performance as Katie Brown in the 1953 film with Doris Day of Calamity Jane. And in fact, mentioning Doris Day, Doris Day was considered for the part of Nellie Forbush in the film. And personally, I think she would have been brilliant. Uh, also considered was Elizabeth Taylor, uh, who maybe might not have been so brilliant. Who knows? We'll never know. There was a 2001 made-for-TV version of South Pacific with Glenn Close as Nellie Forbush. And also in that cast was Harry Connick Jr. as Cable. But I think my favourite recording of South Pacific is the 2008 Lincoln Centre Theatre revival with the wonderful Kelly O'Hara as Nellie Forbush. And in fact, I talk about Kelly O'Hara in more detail in the Letter O podcast. I have only seen Carousel on stage twice both times in the UK touring production with the fabulous Gemma Craven as Nellie Forbush. And I do talk about her a little bit when I talk about The Slipper and the Rose during the Letter S Part 1 podcast. But I'm excited because just yesterday, as I was recording this, the tickets arrived for the Chichester Festival Theatre production that's going to go ahead this summer, 2021, uh, with Gina Beck in the lead role of Nellie Forbush, Julian Ovenden, and uh, the fabulous Joanna Ampill as Bloody Mary and Rob Houshan as Cable. What a fantastic cast. And this show was meant to have happened last summer, but of course, because of lockdown and coronavirus, it was postponed. So I'm really looking forward to being able to be back in the theatre and listening to this gorgeous score. Now, the third of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Letter S musicals is probably not just their most well-known musical ever, but the most well-known musical ever, The Sound of Music. Absolutely brilliant. This show opened on Broadway in 1959. And uh, at the time of writing this, Oscar Hammerstein already knew that he had cancer. And uh, the two of them, Rodgers and Hammerstein, worked with librettists this time because normally Oscar Hammerstein would do the libretto himself. But the libretto for The Sound of Music was written by Howard Lindsay and Russell Krause. And of course, they'd worked on Call Me Madam before this. Uh, the show has become an audience favourite and it was an instant hit really. On Broadway it ran for 1,443 performances and the lead role of Maria Rayner, the novice nun, 
was played by Mary Martin again. So Rodgers and Hammerstein already knew her and knew her skill set because she'd done South Pacific. She's one of the giants of American musical theatre and she made her debut back in 1938 when she sang My Heart Belongs to Daddy. And uh, of course, she really became synonymous with the sound of music until the 1965 film, of course. And it's maybe the film that more people know and love. Certainly for me, this is my most beloved movie musical film and I watch it, I'd say, at least once a year, if not more often than that. And Dame Julie Andrews, of course, starred as Maria. And I talk about Julie Andrews at more in more length during my Letter A podcast. And she does come up, actually, several times throughout this alphabet. So I'm not going to say any more about her, but go back and listen if, you, if you're able to. Mary Martin in the stage production, along with Theodore Bickell, who played Georg von Trapp. And then the show went on a US tour with Florence Henderson, who was famous for The Brady Bunch on television. And in 1961, the show transferred to the West End, this time with Jean Bayliss and Roger Dan in the lead roles. And in fact, the show was even more popular and successful when it was on at the Palace Theatre in the West End. And it ran for 2,385 performances, a huge success. And of course, the 1965 film became one of the most successful movie musicals of all time. Now, I did go to the West End in 2006 to see the new revival which had Connie Fisher as Maria. And of course, she'd won her part through the TV series, How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria? And I think I've told this story already before, but I went along very excited to see her and she was not performing that day. Uh, and that was okay. I was disappointed, but uh, the show was still lovely. So when it went on tour, I went again to see Connie Fisher and of course, she didn't turn up and didn't perform that day either. So, never mind. One of the greatest musicals ever, in my opinion, The Sound of Music. Now, I've already talked quite a lot about Stephen Joshua Sondheim throughout previous episodes of the podcast. And we've looked at a number of his shows. So I just want to focus on the letter S shows for Sondheim. There are five, five letter S. Um, two of them are musical reviews, really. So in 1976, we had Side by Side by Sondheim, which was a West End review with the fabulous Julia McKenzie, David Kernan, Millicent Martin and Ned Sharon. And then there was another review, this time on Broadway, called Sondheim on Sondheim, which ran from 2011 to 2013. And this had 
Barbara Cook and Vanessa Williams in the cast. And it was kind of a multimedia production with a video of Stephen Sondheim himself talking about his career and musical journey. As far as actual shows, uh, beginning with the letter S, in 1954, Sondheim wrote and was ready to actually present on Broadway a show called Saturday Night. Uh, but unfortunately, the producer died before the show could open and it didn't actually open until many years later. In fact, it was 1997 in London. Uh, Sondheim wrote the music and lyrics for that show. Stephen Sondheim has been honoured so many times. He has an Academy Award, eight Tonys, plus a special Tony for Lifetime Achievement, eight Grammys, a Pulitzer Prize, an Olivier Award, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, uh, and he's had a theatre in New York and in the West End in London, both named after him. What an impact he's had throughout his career. And the next letter, S musical by Sondheim, is the 1979 Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Now, this show was not an instant success. In fact, people found it too bloodthirsty and haunting and twisted. And the, the score was his most operatic, really. And it took people time to get used to that sound. I remember the first time I heard the recording with Angela Lansbury and Len Cario, and it was so discordant and uh, high-pitched in places and screech-like and siren-sounding. It isn't an easy listen. And what you find is that over time, you become uh, drawn into the atmosphere of the piece. And it really is spectacular, but it takes time to... Um, adapt to it and so you know on instant first hearing or viewing of the show people didn't love it but it still ran for 557 performances and won eight out of its nine Tony nominations and over time it has become considered to be a classic and a masterpiece. Angela Lansbury and Len Cario opened the show in 1979 on the 1st of March and stayed with it for the first year. Uh, and it ran for a year. Bolloxy, bolloxy. The show opened on the 1st of March 1979 with the fabulous Len Cario and Angela Lansbury. And they stayed with it for the first year. The show opened in the West End with Sheila Hancock and Dennis Quilly, but it didn't do as well. And actually it only ran for 157 performances. Um, but the score is incredible and you can feel and sense that here is a soul touched by evil. And yet it is brilliantly funny. Listen to the lyrics of the song, A Little Priest and Not Laugh and Not Be... Um, amazed by the lyrics that Sondheim has created. It's just a masterpiece. 
And then, of course, we have the 2007 film adaptation as well. I've seen uh, a few different productions, including a Jason Donovan as Sweeney Todd in a UK tour with Harriet Thorpe as Mrs Lovett. But in 2012, I was lucky to see the amazing Michael Ball and Imelda Staunton performance at the Adelphi Theatre. This was just a phenomenal production and they won all the awards that year and Peter Polycarpo also brilliant in that production. And uh, I also saw Emma Thompson as Mrs Lovett with Bryn Turfell and Philip Quast and John Owen Jones, a brilliant cast actually, at the London Coliseum in April 2015. And the ensemble for that show has just the most amazing people in it, including Rosalie Craig, Molly Lynch, John Barr, Alex Gomond, Alistair Brookshaw, Katie Hall, Anna O'Byrne, all these people who I've seen in so many other things. And uh, they all can lead shows themselves and they were just a stunning ensemble in that performance. So Sweeney Todd the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. And the final Lesser S Sondheim show is Sunday in the Park with George. This was Sondheim's first collaboration with James Lapine and it, it, once again it was groundbreaking uh, Lapine actually took Sondheim to see the painting by Georges Seurat a Sunday afternoon on the island of the Grand Jatte. And it was this incredible painting and the pointillism from Georges Seurat that inspired Sondheim to write this musical. And he really tries to capture the um, dot, 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 and tap, 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 pointillist style through the incredible music of the piece. Um, it's kind of like joining together the dots. When the show was first presented in 1984, it was only a one-act show. The second half hadn't been completed at that point. And critics of the show do say that you could feel and sense that, that the first act seems to be more complete. I haven't seen this on stage. I have listened to, of course, the Bernadette Peters and uh, Mandy Patinkin recording and seen the film of that first production, but I've not actually seen it live. Uh, I was meant to be going last year to see Jake Gyllenhaal and Annalee Ashford in the West End, but unfortunately due to COVID that was cancelled Maybe one day that might return. Um, you can see in this piece that Stephen Sondheim is a, is a genius. You can see how he's trying to examine the art form and, and go deeper into the mind of the artist. And uh, it really is just incredible. So there we go. Five Short bits of information about five letter S pieces by Stephen Sondheim. One of the biggest success stories in recent times has to be for Six the Musical. 
this show that started out as a Cambridge University uh, concert, really, and then moved to the Edinburgh Festival Fringe in 2017, has become a phenomenon and is followed by what's called the Queendom all over the world. This show tells the story or retells the story of the lives of Henry VIII's six wives who were divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. And this show was written, music and lyrics, by Toby Marlowe and Lucy Moss. Toby Marlowe, at the time of writing it, was in his final year at Cambridge University and he asked his friend Lucy to help him to put together a musical that could be presented at the Edinburgh Festival. And six, the musical, is what came from that. And they have a philosophy, really, that everybody can be a queen. And if you go to see this show live, the audience are completely uh, a part of the production. It's so full of energy and joy and it's absolutely brilliant. I've seen this show a number of times now and I know that I will go back again and again. It's only short, I think it's 80 minutes long and uh, there's no interval and it's presented almost like a pop concert. And apparently Marlowe and Moss were inspired when they were creating the characters of each of the six wives they were inspired by female pop singers including people like Beyonce and Ariana Grande and Miley Cyrus and Adele and you can see that in the way that the show is presented it really is a great show and it was just about to open on Broadway it had been in preview and the day that theatres closed on Broadway was the day that the show was due to open to a Broadway audience. Whilst in the UK, it's been presented twice at the Edinburgh Festival and uh, at the Arts Theatre in London with a number of UK tours and another UK tour is about to start as well. And this show is going to continue to grow. And one of the things that's really exciting when you're in the audience for this show is right at the end, on the final number, you're encouraged to turn your phones on and take photographs and video the final song being performed and then retweet and send them and share them on social media, which is quite unusual, really, when you consider how... Uh, you're not allowed to do anything with your phones during a normal theatre performance. So, so there you go, Six the Musical. I love it. Now, I remember back in the 1970s watching and really enjoying a British sitcom called Two's Company, starring Donald Sindon and my next letter S icon, Elaine Stritch and yes uh, this show Two's Company ran for four series actually in the UK it was very very popular and Elaine Stritch won a BAFTA 
1979 for Best Light Entertainment Performance, which was wonderful. I loved that show. Um, in fact, there was a, a United States version of it called The Two of Us, but it only ran for one season. Um, it's great that she won the BAFTA because in spite of being nominated for four Tony Awards, she didn't win any of them, except her acclaimed review in 2001, Elaine Stritch at Liberty, did win a special Tony in 2002. It was the Best Special Theatrical Event Award. Of course, Elaine Stritch was known for her raspy-voiced salty and acerbic style of performance really lacking sentimentality and that's the role she played in uh, Two's Company. She was an American novelist and she was living in Britain uh, writing her thrillers and Donald Sindon's character the stiff upper-lipped British butler did not approve and most of the comedy came from the relationship between the two of them and uh, the cultural differences that they uh, that they experienced as well. Elaine Stritch was first noticed in 1947 in a Broadway review called Angel in the Wings and following this she started to get smaller ensemble and then supporting roles including in 1952, she was in Pal Joey. And in fact, in 1953, she replaced Ethel Merman in Call Me Madam and also went on a US tour with it. In 1954, she did On Your Toes and then subsequent shows included Goldilocks in 1958 and Noel Coward's Sail Away in 1961, which she also reprised on stage in the West End. She led a 1967 revival of Wonderful Town and famously was in the original Broadway cast of Stephen Sondheim's Company in 1970 as the caustic alcoholic Joanne and she reprised the role again in the West End in London. Uh, Elaine Stritch was in a 1994 revival of Showboat alongside the wonderful Rebecca Luca and Mark Jacobi. And actually she replaced Angela Lansbury on Broadway in 2010 uh, as Madame Armfelt in the revival of a little night music. Definitely, uh, in my mind, a legend of musical theatre, Elaine Stritch. Two quick mentions of two letter S shows. Sideshow, which I saw a wonderful production of at the Southwark Playhouse back in 2016. And that was actually the original London production but it opened on Broadway in 1997 with Emily Skinner and Alice Ripley in the main parts of Daisy and Violet Hilton, the conjoined twins. And this is a, a, a true story or based on fact story 
with music by Henry Krieger, who brought us Dream Girls back in 1981, and book and lyrics by Bill Russell. There are some beautiful songs in this show, particularly Who Will Love Me As I Am and I Will Never Leave You. And uh, when I saw the production in 2016, it had the fabulous uh, Louise Dearman and Laura Pitt Pulford sideshow. And the second quick mention is for Sister Act, the musical, based, of course, on the 1992 film with Whoopi Goldberg. Music by Alan Menken, and I talk about him in the Letter M podcast. And lyrics by Glenn Slater, who worked with Alan Menken on the Broadway version of The Little Mermaid. And Glenn Slater also worked with Andrew Lloyd Webber on School of Rock. Uh, the show had a regional premiere in Pasadena in California back in 2006, and then opened officially in the West End in June of 2009 at the famous London Palladium with Patina Miller in the lead role of Dolores Van Cartier and uh, Sheila Hancock as Mother Superior. In actual fact, Whoopi Goldberg did take on the role of Mother Superior for a limited engagement later in the run. The show then went to Broadway and Patina Miller reprised the role and Sister Act has had fairly mixed reviews, really, and there are you know, gaps in the story and so on. But from an audience's point of view, when you're in the audience watching this, it has so much energy and such great fun that you can't help being drawn into it. And I do find myself singing the songs from Sister Act fairly regularly. Um, so for me, I really enjoy this show. So quick mention... Sister Act and Sideshow. And I've reached the final part of the podcast where I stop and reflect and think who and what have we missed, beginning with the letter S. Well, it's amazing to think that I've done two episodes of letter S and there are still huge numbers of shows and people missing, including the 1924 musical by Sigmund Romberg, The Student Prince, which has that famous drinking song in it. And that was made into a film by MGM, actually, in 1954. And Mario Lanza, the famous tenor, he was cast... He did all of the vocal recordings and then he walked off the set and decided that wasn't for him. And so the part was taken over by Edward Purdom, who played Prince Carl Franz, along with Anne Blythe. And interestingly, they used Mario Lanza's recordings and uh, Edward Purdom was dubbed with that. Uh, we haven't talked about Song of Norway, the 1944 Broadway production, which tells of the life of the Norwegian composer, Edvard Grieg. And there was a TV version, actually, in 1970, starring Florence Henderson. We've not talked about Swan Esther. Now, uh, nobody seems to know that show anymore, but it was a little bit like Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. 
It was a biblical retelling of the story of Esther from the Old Testament. And I remember taking uh, my class on a school trip to Liverpool to watch this show and thoroughly enjoyed it. And in fact, I have a cast recording of Swan Esther, which is still available on CD. Um, we've not talked about Shrek the Musical with music by Janine Tesori, but don't worry, she's going to get a special mention very soon. We didn't talk about Spring Awakening, which I have to say just is not the show for me. In spite of seeing a couple of productions, it doesn't really do it for me. But it did bring to our attention Leah Michelle and Jonathan Groff. Uh, we've not talked about Sweet Smell of Success or the 1973 BBC television musical Smike. Now, I remember this really well. This was on the television and it was the story of a character, Smike, from Charles Dickens' Nicholas Nickleby. And I absolutely loved this. Music and lyrics by Roger Holman and Simon May. Simon May, who famously wrote the theme tune to the TV show EastEnders. There were some great songs in this show, including Don't Let Life Get You Down, which I did find myself singing a lot in the early 70s, and a song called Brimstone and Treacle. And actually, the show was released as a recording in 1973 and then it was re-recorded in 1983 with Mike Holloway singing uh, and it's still available to purchase. We've not talked about Sugar Babies, the musical review that starred Anne Miller and Mickey Rooney on Broadway in 1979 or Spamalot or Saturday Night Fever that had that huge box office success with the 1977 Paramount Pictures film with John Travolta and a subsequent stage show and there was a sequel actually to the film called Staying Alive again with John Travolta in 1983 but not quite as successful. We haven't talked about Seussical, the uh, show based on stories by Dr Seuss with music and lyrics by Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Ahrens. And we haven't talked about Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which had that wonderful film in 1954, which I have talked about in previous episodes, followed by a 1982 stage production. And finally, we haven't talked about Silk Stockings, this time with a 1955 stage production followed in 1957 with the film. And that was based on... Uh, Ninochka, which is one of my favourite Greta Garbo films, actually. Uh, Silk Stockings was Cole Porter's last Broadway show. Ah, out of breath, so I'm going to stop and say thanks for sticking with me through both episodes of S. I know there was a lot, and there's probably loads I've missed, but I hope you enjoyed it, and until next time, have a Doris Day.